You're listening to The Spiritual Awakening Show. I'm your host, Brent Spirit, and this is another Kundalini Q&A compilation. Join us for the next meeting on Zoom. Visit brentspirit.com slash kundaliniqa for more info. At the moment, it's free to join. Did you know I have a flagship eight-hour video course out? It's called Grounded Spiritual Emergence and Integration. We go very deep into how to embody your far-out spiritual awakening in the world as a human being and everything that comes with it, like a fleshy body, a nervous system, responsibilities, relationships, emotions, and purpose. Now, I'm really proud of this course. I didn't rush to make it at all. In fact, it took me about 10 years of personal exploration and supporting others going through spiritual awakening to understand these concepts. I've put it together in plain English and held nothing back. If you're feeling ungrounded and energetically unstable, especially if you're going through Kundalini Awakening, check out the course at brentspirit.com grounded. In today's Q&A compilation, we'll be covering topics such as the energy field and transmission of Shakti, how to manage encounters with non-physical entities, spontaneous breath retention, how to make sense of a traumatic kundalini awakening process, and more. Don't forget to leave a rating for the show on Spotify on your mobile device. Enjoy the episode, and maybe I'll see you at the next kundalini Q&A meeting. In this segment, we'll be discussing kundalini and the palpable field of shakti energy. When I come to this group, I feel I feel like I'm connecting with everyone's energy and it and it's elevating mine. And uh, it made me realize that, you know, I'm sure probably half of you know this already, but I'm just realizing that uh, this may be what's the what's happening, that all of us who are uh, going through these Kundalini awakenings are connecting with others and helping to raise the vibration. I mean, I I'm, I really felt it powerful in the past few days or past few times we did this. So uh, that's great um, and interesting. You know, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. I'm, I'm very interested yeah. in this. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. So we all radiates our vibration our frequency our energy our auras are always radiating and everybody even people that aren't spiritual you know you you hang around somebody who's excited you feel it hang around somebody who's depressed you feel it some of us are more sensitive than others but in a in the most simple way we can all pick up on when somebody's in a bad mood right you don't need to be uh, an empath for that so we're always radiating so that obviously applies as well here to uh, the, the spiritual awakening process. As we begin to expand and our auras begin to uh, um, you know, shine brighter, you could say, our frequency begins to rise. We begin to radiate and emanate. And um, this is actually a, a scientific thing. If you look at the electromagnetic field of the human body, in particular the heart, there's a very massive electromagnetic field that each person is radiating from the heart. Um, and so 
when a person is nervous system, which I would imagine it's all of us at different degrees, when an individual's nervous system is saturated with what we may call that Shakti, that spiritual power, that spiritual force, uh, that spiritual energy, now that begins to radiate in a very powerful way. And what's interesting, and I'll be honest, it's still it's so fascinating to me, is that this is not limited to uh, just being within someone's physical vicinity. When you mm -hmm. connect on a digital call here, it's it's very palpable. Mm -hmm. um, some would say on a logical level, we are not actually connecting here. These are pixels on my screen. But yet the spirit, the intelligence of consciousness, I don't know what it is, can still recognize that each one of you is a human being and I can still pick up on your energy field. I can still pick up on the collective field that we are all uh, you know, um, resonating here together despite it just being pixels on my screen. It's very interesting. I had an experience where I was watching a talk, a great spiritual teacher, David Sparrow. He was giving a talk on YouTube and I'm watching him on YouTube and suddenly I see this huge purple aura around his figure on YouTube, on my phone, and it's bleeding off the screen. And I thought, you know, this is incredibly interesting. One, I'm seeing this guy's aura. This is pretty cool. Two, why is it floating off the screen? Like it's, it's like the screen is not just a piece of glass with pixels. It's like I'm actually connecting with him in person. So I would say that the spirit is not stupid. It knows that we are people, individuals here connecting, and it's giving us the opportunity to connect as if we were in person. Now, maybe if we were in person, it would be even more palpable. Um, maybe not. Maybe we would be distracted by one another and sitting here by ourselves in our room and just looking at the screen, we're able to actually relax more deeply. I don't know, just some ideas. But yes, the energy field is a very powerful component to pushing this process along. This is why you don't necessarily need literal teachings, literal answers, literal books. You don't need any of that. Just sitting in the presence of others that are going through this is a, is a powerful transmission in and of itself. And we can know that, yes, we are also able to receive the transmission from others. Maybe you're feeling it together on this call to, uh, with, with us all here, but we're also able to transmit to others as well. So for me, I can, I can have some conversations over text and I'm picking up things from other people through text message and they're picking up things from me. You can know that when you connect with somebody and they don't have anything to do with this stuff, if you're relaxed enough and Shakti is flowing through your system, you can know that if they're ready, they'll pick up what they need and they'll get what they need and we can move on. And that can help us also to relieve some of the frustration when people aren't willing to listen to our words. Listen to me talk about this thing called Kundalini awakening. It's the snake energy and the chakras. And they're like, what are you talking about? We don't need to talk to them. Just be in that place where you're quiet and the energy's flowing. And like, you can look this up. Science shows the electromagnetic fields of our bodies. We're, we're always communicating with each other through these, these different uh, ways of exchanging information. So yes, it's a real thing. Yes, it is uh, a very important part of, of why this is able to you know happen so fast. Um, we don't have time to read all the books anymore. Just, just meet with one another. Things get exchanged. Insights happen. It's very powerful. In this segment, we'll be discussing Kundalini Awakening and spontaneous breath retention. Hey, Bryn. 
Hey, Brent. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a similar question to what I've asked before. Um, but I've just been getting a lot of intense energy coming up to the uh, kind of the back of the third eye, I guess. Um, <clears throat> and during that process, uh, it feels like um, sometimes I have like almost, it's so much energy that it kind of goes into a breathless state again. Um, and I'm just wondering what that's, is that a state that's quite natural? Is that something that you experienced during the process? Um, yeah, if you could yeah. talk about right. that, that'd be cool. Yeah, so um, there are periods of what we would call spontaneous breath work, spontaneous pranayama. Most commonly, we see people having spontaneous rapid breathing, rapid breathing and whatnot. But there is a, a also another type of spontaneous pranayama, which means breath control, where the breath stops completely. Um, it just ceases. It's like in limbo. And this can happen um, through Kundalini process as a result of, of this work that we're doing. Um, it's a known. I believe the term is spontaneous kumbhaka. Spontaneous kumbhaka. I'm going to type it in the chat mm -hmm. here. If I spell it wrong, I'm sure that Google will correct me. Kumbhaka. Interesting experience. It can be a little startling because, of course, you know, when you stop breathing, you think, I, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to pass out. I'm going to die, right? This is where incredible trust and relaxation comes in and we can practice. I'm, I'm safe. It's okay. You're not going to die as a result of, of this uh, sort of spontaneous breath uh, retention. Um, surrender to it. Allow it to unfold. There's a very interesting experience. It's a very unique sort of meditative space that we can get in when within the breathing is stopped. And it will serve some purpose in your process. Exactly what? I'm not sure. I know that if we were to hold the breath with a forced kumbhaka, it does tend to draw a lot of energy up towards the head. And so that may be what's happening in your case where your body is trying to cultivate enough prana to push through that, that point that you're saying there. And so the kumbhaka... Mm. The spontaneous kumbhaka is happening to, to build the energy up. Um, so you can, you can use this information and, and yet don't force, don't have to hold your breath. Let it happen spontaneously. Now that you have a bit of a, a picture of it, you can do also some research as well to develop your own understanding. But know that this is a known thing. Nothing is going wrong. This is a known yogic process, uh, the breath retention. Um, I think you may also see some yogis that have kind of developed this skill um, as a result of practice. And they use it almost like a showmanship type thing where they'll like, you know, get buried alive and, you know, stop breathing. And it's like, uh, look at this guy, he's buried alive. And, you know, maybe people will think they're amazing. Maybe the people will give them money or something. I don't know, but it's like a trick that some yogis learn because it's a known thing. You can't actually survive with the proper process without mm -hmm. uh, having to breathe for a period of time. Of course, disclaimer, I'm not saying, you know, put a plastic bag over your head, but there is something that, you know, most no, people that's why I have Brent right? say. That's, yeah. uh... <laughs> so, so uh, yes, you can know that uh, it's a, uh, it's, it's a real thing. Trust it, trust it. And at your own pace, but it sounds to me like uh, the, the, the energy, the intelligence, it's trying to develop enough prana, enough energy, enough force to break through uh, or move through. I shouldn't say breakthrough. It sounds too dramatic. 
just to push through a little higher. So something to keep in mind. Cool. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. In this segment, we'll be discussing when and what to look for in a teacher on the Kundalini Awakening path. When is it time or if it's ever time to seek the advice of someone to aid you through this process if it becomes too difficult for you at times or you feel too on, on nerve? The time is whenever you feel called. You feel called. As long as you recognize that Others are coming to supplement your own internal wisdom, not to give you everything. They're just there to offer some validation, to give you a resource, to just give you a thing or two. But as long as you don't give all of your power away to another individual, that's what's important here. So by all means, read books, explore, connect with different people, um, and just know that ultimately, your goal is not to park yourself with them and say, okay, I've made it. This is my person. I'm going to hang out here. Your goal is to you know, take what they're offering. Thank you so much. I'll be on my way now. Maybe you have to revisit with them for sure. But any good teacher, any good guide wants to create other teachers and guides. They don't want to create students that are going to sit with them forever. They want to create teachers that are going to be even better than they are, even more advanced than they are. So you can use that as your kind of measure, you know, is this person saying, okay, come sit with me. This is going to be a five-year process. We're going to, we're going to do these things, meet with me once a week, or, or you got to go in my, you got to join my, uh, my community and you got to get all your friends to join too. Then it's a little, mm, I don't know. But if it's like somebody that just like freely offering what they can. And if, if you're, if they have, if they, if you want to stay and hang out for sure, but they're not saying you have to, it's because they're recognizing that you got your own journey to, to move ahead on. So that's something to keep in mind. I don't think that. Um, it's twofold and it's paradoxical. Yes, on one hand, the answers are all within us. It's true. You could go to a cave, you'd figure this out. You would. It may take some time. But here's the thing. I think we came here into society, into the cities, to have a bit of an exciting journey where we can connect with other people and learn these different modalities and ideas and have conversations and just makes it more exciting. You could totally go and sit in your room and this you figure this out eventually. It's just so much more exciting to have conversations and relate and, and support each other along the way. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, if you feel called to seek support, go ahead. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you return back to yourself. You're your own teacher. You're your own master. In this segment, we'll be discussing Kundalini Awakening and how to manage and understand some of the strange encounters with non-physical entities. So A. Lowe says, with my awakening, I've had more experiences with what I believe to be spirits or energies. It's hard to validate these experiences because I'm not perceiving them with any of my five senses like it may occur in movies and media. However, when it does happen, I receive images in my mind's eye. I can hear vocal inflections and can sense the direction the energy is coming from. Even though this is all occurring within, I know these things to be true the same way I know anything else to be true. When I receive these messages, I feel the intense chest spasming and energy in my spine. It's almost like the Kundalini is a satellite picking up on these messages. Are these messages from spirits valid? Is this ability real? Even as it is happening to me, I find it so hard to believe. I had a very intense awakening last week without really knowing what Kundalini is. 
I've participated, I've practiced yoga and I've made a concerted effort the last three years to connect with my interior self. I've been binging your podcast since it happened and cannot thank you enough for your resources. Oh, you're very welcome. You're very welcome. Yes, this is a good question. And um, it's an experience that I know many people have. So in general, what we can say is that throughout the Kundalini process, for some, there's a phase where we make contact with what we may call spirits, you know, disembodied beings, entities, energies. Uh, some of them are are here to help. They may be considered your guides, angels, um, ascended masters, uh, healers. Sometimes they're, um, you know, ascended masters, meaning like people that you may recognize, like say, uh, Jesus or Ramana Maharshi, you know, sometimes we make encounters with these, with these beings. Other times they're more vague. We get a sense that there's a presence with us in the room, or there's a presence, you know, kind of hovering over our left side. It's kind of mysterious. Maybe it's dark. Maybe we're unsure, but this does happen. You're not going crazy. And I think your question here, you know, is this a, a real ability? Yes, it's absolutely a real ability. Um, some people are are very much in tune with connecting with what they would call their guides, their spirit guides. They can see them, they can relate with them, they can have conversations with them on a very consistent basis with incredible clarity. Other people, it's more of a, a a vague experience. For some, it comes and goes. Some don't have it at all. It doesn't it doesn't mean that something is going wrong if you've never experienced this. In fact, it can be for some a little a little freaky. Um, I'll describe it this way: when our Kundalini awakens we begin to radiate very bright light. And this can attract all sorts of beings. Some beings want to come and just watch and observe the, the unfolding of a kundalini awakening in a human being, which to them is pretty exciting. Um, others want to come and uh, support you and help you. They're you know very benevolent, the ascended masters and whatnot, those types of figures. Others want to come and take advantage of your energy. They want to get a little bit of your, your bright light. Um, and so... The ones that want to serve us, they offer some support. They don't ask anything of us. They don't say, hey, you know, uh, um, make a deal with me. They just come, they heal, they offer support, they offer guidance, they offer wisdom, and they leave. They just give. The ones that are neutral, they're innocent. I like to think of them as little children. If you're cooking in the kitchen and a little child, like a three-year-old comes and says, I want to help you, they can't really help you. They kind of just hang around. They maybe pick up a some tools, and they kind of just want to linger around you. And you may think, this is fine. They're not harming me, but they're also not helping you. But they're invading your space. They're distracting you. And it's important that you recognize that you have sovereignty over your aura, your field, your, your space, your home. And you can tell them, you must leave. I'm doing important work here. You cannot be here. I wish you well on your journey. Continue on. That's what the neutral beings. Sometimes we they may come and they say, hey, they may quite literally, like you're saying, you know, you can kind of perceive them. They quite literally can say, hey, can I hang around you? Can I, can I just kind of be your buddy? Whatever, some things like this. And they may be, they may feel very innocent. And you say, yeah, for sure. You know, it's like a little elf or some gremlin or some little creature. No, we don't make any deals. No, sorry, continue on your way. All the best. I've got work to do. And we banish them. Then there are entities that come that are dark. And um, I know some of you already may be a little scared, like, oh my God, dark entities. I want to remind you, you're a human being on a spiritual path going through spiritual awakening. You're very advanced, very evolved, very powerful. Some dark entity, even if they're 10 feet tall, have huge black claws, 
you're a human being. You're very, very powerful. All you have to do is remember that and they have no power over you. Okay. So they come to try and leech your energy. They may scare you. They may say, Hey, I'll, I'll give you this. I'll give you powers. I'll solve all your problems. I'll make all this go away. Come with me, forget all this light stuff. You know, let me, uh, you know, let's, let's work together. They may do something like this again. It's the same thing with the innocent beings. No, you must leave. This is my space. You're not allowed to be here. And we banish them. Okay. So this is a phase that some of us go through on the Kundalini awakening journey. We make contact with entities as our aura expands, our clairvoyance, our clairaudience, our clairsentience, our supernatural abilities, our psychic abilities kind of become, you know, they come online and we can perceive all of these different things. Um, and yeah, of course, I mean, it, it goes without saying there are beings out there in different realms, astral planes, whatnot. There's the, the universe is infinite. All this stuff is exists. Um, just remember, you're a human being. You have sovereignty over your aura, your field. You can let these beings go. And then you can learn from this experience, though. You can learn. One, you learn about boundaries, you learn about confidence, you learn that you can clear your space. And this can be translated over into your human life with other human beings who also do the same thing. They distract us, they bother us, they want to take our energy, they want to, you know, you know, drain us. There are some beings that want to serve and they want to help. Um, so you can, it's all this applies to human beings as well. Um, you can also learn that, yes, there's more to life than the physical. I've had direct experience. I met some sort of being that wasn't physical. Okay. Another reference example that we can put into our journal that says spirituality is valid. There's more to life than the physical. I had this very real encounter with some sort of being. It's just another experience. All these things help us to break down our old uh, paradigms of the material world being all there is, to break down our old paradigms of you know the only way that we can perceive is with our five senses. No, no, there's much more to us. So I hope this helps. Um Ultimately, uh, this is a phase that that should pass um, in time, unless you're called to be one of the people that work with these types of guides more closely. And if you are, you'll develop the skills and the tact to navigate those types of situations over time. Okay. Great question, Alo. Thank you. In this segment, we'll be discussing how to face a traumatic kundalini awakening process what about the traumas that we collect within the kundalini process are they cleared immediately or do they get first stored in us to be cleared afterwards very interesting very interesting question i can give some perspectives but this is a it's a tricky one because i know for some their kundalini awakening and the subsequent experiences that follow have been traumatic they end up in the hospital. They end up, um, you know, having difficulty in relationships. All of this is traumatic. And it's around this kundalini process, which is supposed to be healing us of our prior trauma. So I want to recognize that, that for some spiritual awakening, spiritual emergency is quite literally an emergency. It's traumatic. It's difficult. It causes a lot of reluctance to move forward on this journey because people don't want to revisit uh, you know, periods where they were in, in crisis. So I recognize that it's very difficult. It's very difficult. I'm doing my best here to, uh, to prevent people from being traumatized through this process. I'm doing my best. So I want to lead with that. But then I want to offer a higher perspective here. Perhaps the trauma that you experienced through your awakening process 
was meaningful in that it's just brought up older stuff that you were always carrying anyway. Perhaps, maybe from a previous lifetime. Maybe the difficulty that you experienced through your spiritual emergency, it's like echoing prior difficulty that you experienced through childhood, through later years in life. And so this is why it's been traumatic because ultimately it actually is healing. The trauma from the Kundalini awakening process and the emergency brought up older trauma as well with it. So if you can address whatever's come up now with love, with patience, with, with the recognition that, yeah, it's been a difficult journey. Be there for yourself, hold yourself, then you can heal all of the prior experience that you brought to the table once this awakening began. Whether it's from previous lifetimes or not, I'm not sure. For example, this is an exaggerated example, but for some, it might be reality. You know, there's a wound called a witch wound. The idea is that some of us have brought in from previous lifetimes the wound of persecution for being someone on a spiritual path. It's called a witch wound because it's referring to the witch burnings, right? Some would say that these witches that were burned, I think, you know, whatever, the, the Middle Ages or something, um, 1800s maybe, I don't know, um, that they were spiritual. And people thought, oh my God, these people are demonic, they're possessed, we have to burn them at the stake. And so now they have this trauma associated with their own spirituality. So they come into this life, they have a Kundalini awakening, and they're still carrying that witch wound. And then they're also, once again, persecuted. They're told, you're crazy. You're going to go to a, a sort of hospital. You're going to get locked up. Family's going to doubt you. You may lose your job. It's going to be traumatic. So through this awakening now, not only are they healing the stuff that they experience in this life, the crisis, but they're also healing the stuff from prior lifetimes, for example, being burned at the stake. So if you can address all of this, it may be meaningful, it may be helpful, and we can use this difficult, traumatic Kundalini awakening experience as a blessing um, in the bigger picture. Now, I'll go back to what I was saying earlier, because I know it, it's a very sensitive topic, and I'm not here to invalidate anyone's pain. I know that some people, you know, they have the worst experience of their life is the trauma associated with their awakening. And um, I, I hope that things do begin to make sense for you. Um, and, and clarity comes because I know it's, it's a very difficult path for some. And, um, the more that we talk about it, the more that we can all, um, make the awakening itself less traumatic so that we can deal with all the other stuff that we've got. Cause we've all got pain. We've all got trauma. We don't need to make the healing process traumatic as well. Okay. In this segment, we'll be discussing how to manage a difficult kundalini awakening process. I've been having a very challenging um, awakening with my kundalini. Uh, it's been about three or four months of uh, the, the whole shaking, of course, um, difficulty sleeping, um, thoughts, you know, uh, not the greatest thoughts sometimes, and then I come out of it and then I go back into it, and it's been getting... Um, or especially at night to the point where um, my side of my ribs hurt because I'm moving and shaking so much. I've heard breath work. I've heard movement. I've heard um, a couple different things can help. Um, could you share more insight on that? And also my light language opened as well. So I'm going through a whole bunch of different things, which I'm grateful for the journey. But Right. Okay. Yeah, I understand. It's, it's difficult. It's a struggle at times. Um, 
especially in the beginning for many people it's in the in the first little while that it's most intense and that's also when it's most confusing because we're not uh, too familiar with what's going on we have a lot of questions a lot of a lot of activity in the body um so my approach throughout all of my work and i've got a it's probably one of my most meaningful talks i think it's part 22 it's called pre and post practices for kundalini awakening I've what do we do okay. pre and post? So the Kundalini is awake in you now. Personally, my approach is to trust in the intelligence of the, the Kundalini, let it do what it's going to do, and just ride it out. It will be difficult at times. This is where we practice just bringing some degree of relaxation, some degree of trust and surrender and faith, and saying, Divine Mother, God, Kundalini, I trust that you know you're you're not going to hurt me, and this is good. I'm I'm just trusting you, and we just surrender and relax, and let it shake you. Let it let the vocalizations come, emotions may come up, uh, weird sensations in the body, weird experiences. Mm -hmm. Let it all come up with total trust. If we push and we try to make it go away, or how can I manage this shaking? Now I'm not I'm speaking to the group in general. If we try to manage the shaking, for example. What does that say to the shaking? That's saying, shaking, you're a problem. I need to get rid of you. I need to figure out how to make yep. you go away. When really the yep. shaking is like, it's one of the best gifts we could have been given in this lifetime is to shake things off and have our, mm -hmm. our consciousness expand and become upgraded and evolved. So instead we want to see how can I cooperate with this? How can I make it so that the shaking can happen in a, in a, in a, in a more suitable way for me? So sometimes people are shaking when they're at work and, and it's not ideal. So I say, before bed or after work or in the morning, set out a window an hour and just let it flow. Let it make an intention. Kundalini, flow through me, shake me, have your way with me. Let it all come. I'm just here. And then it doesn't have to happen at work. And then it doesn't have to happen so intensely because we've created a uh, that intention in that container of that space and time for it to flow. So you want to cooperate with it. Um, know that you can also get excited. Oh, I'm shaking. This is great. I'm shaking things off. You may not know what you're shaking off. Get excited. Oh, this is good. This is good. It's like when you go to the gym and you do some exercise. It hurts, but you're like, oh, this is good. This is good for me. All right, so I'm going to keep going with it. Instead of, you know, if I can just keep going with the metaphor here, that would be like, you know, we go to the gym and it hurts and we're like, hey, how can I lift the weight but have it not hurt? Or not like not hurt, but like not strain my muscles, right? It shouldn't hurt, of course. You want to do good form and all that. But how can I do this without feeling any tension? It's like, no, that's the point. So um, understand that this is real yoga. This is real you know, breath work may even happen to you spontaneously. The body knows how to breathe itself yes. in order for this to happen. So I see yeah, you're nodding, yes. it's happening, right? So when we go to some yoga classes, for example, we were just talking about yoga, they may say, okay, class, we're going to do some, some breath work together. They're giving you a regimen. They're giving you something that's probably not suitable for you and your body and where you're at, but they don't know. So they're just giving it to everybody because it's like a cool thing that we're all going to do together. But you have the intelligence of your kundalini awakened in you and your body says i know exactly how to breathe you yep. in order to facilitate this process and healing so surrender mm -hmm. totally trust this is real yoga unfolding in you light language may come let it flow it has purpose you may not know the meaning it may feel good it may serve to open the, the the channel in your throat um it may invite some energies from the universe to support you let it all flow all of this is normal not unheard of it's um it's it's just part of the journey eventually there will come a point where you just sit and it's very quiet. It's very still. And you may, in some respects, 
reminisce about the time where you were shaking uncontrollably in bed. Even though it was uncomfortable, you'll say, oh, that was pretty cool. Now nothing is happening. It's very quiet. So something to think <laughs> about. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Be sure to visit brentspirit.com to join my free newsletter, to find more free content just like this, to find out how to meet with me one-on-one, -on -one, and to make a donation to support this work if you find it meaningful. I appreciate you all. Much love.